the views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, pistoned, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. I'm Jerry Simmons today on a part-time phone <laughs> issue. Welcome to Arizona. The humidity is past 50%. All right. And, of course, run, running shotgun with me, thank goodness, is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. And we're going to attempt to go after the second hour of the show. I need to get some advertisers in before my phone goes dead again. And so we're going to cover this thing. This portion of the show is brought to you in part by my buddy, Automotive Specialist, AutomotiveSpecialistAZ.com. Mr. Test First Don't Guess, Brian Fuller's Place, 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101. His shop number, 520-572-1734. His cell number, 520-237-3852. Again, Shop number 520-572-1734. His sale number is 520-233852. Merle's Automotive. Merle's Automotive has 10 places around Tucson. Uh, he's got them scattered out through the rest of the state. He's got them in uh, Marenzi, Globe, Casa Grande, Green Valley. And he makes daily runs to the big wirehouse. He has foreign, domestic, and 18-wheeler parts. Knowledgeable counter people, a good place to get your parts. They are open on Saturday for your weekend people that are working or new garages that are open on Saturday. Uh, I think, oh, Parker Automotive. Parker Automotive, AZ. Parker Auto, AZ. 520 323-1960, East Speedway's a shop, beautiful shop. He does front-end alignments, air conditioning, drivability, clutches, differentials, tires. He's pretty much the same, offers the same service that Automotive Specialist does on the west side and Simmons does on the south side. So you, you should be covered with that. 323-520, 323-1960. Parker Automotive, local business, local business. Um, okay, I think I, just in case I lose. Uh, oh, and on the tickets, there I had four the first hour. 
four family four packs of tickets to the Speedway that opens today. The gates open at five. Racing starts at six thirty. For calls one two three four. Phone number here five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. Ooh. All right. That should just about cover everybody in case I get off the line again. All right, Jim. Now on. Don't forget. Uh, don't forget don't forget Lens Auto what? Brokerage. Don't forget Lens Auto Brokerage. Don't forget Lens. I, oh, okay. We'll go ahead with Lens Auto Brokerage. I thought Lens I got, I got them the first hour, right? LensAutoBrokerage.com and DesertRV.com. I don't recall. That'll get, that'll get to two. If you want to kick a tire, go to 2101 North Stone Avenue. And Desert RV specializes in uh, toy haulers. Okay, we're good. All right, now. There we go. Uh, now we're good. Now we got them all. We were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Go ahead. We we got them all. All right. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd lost you again. Uh, nope, nope, you're front in alignments, all-wheel all wheel, uh, alignment checks. You get those done minimum once a year, and with the rain, you can't see the potholes in the road with the rain because they're going to be full. And it could be in a little dip to where the water's standing and you go buzzing through there and wham, you hit it. When you're doing the front end alignments, there is a few things you need to pay attention to. One, you need to know what's involved in it. A front end alignment, you know, uh, the things that can cause a problem with it. One is your driving habits. Do I hit a pothole at 60 mile an hour when the road speed limit's 40? Uh, these suspension on these late model cars is very weak compared to the old 63 and 64s. The uh, arms are weaker. Uh, there's a lot more arms under the bottom to bend. They're lighter because of the fuel economy. All right, so that's your driving habits. Operating conditions, that covers potholes in the road, believe it or not, potholes in the road. Do you hit a curb? Do you hit a pothole? All of these things has a tendency to work on the vehicle, depending on what you're driving, will be the severity of it. Have you ever hit a curb when you're turning a corner and the tire blows off the rim or the tire goes flat because you pop it loose against the rim and go pow and then it hits the ground? My daughter did that. Vehicle types is very critical. If you're driving something, it's got a uh, straight axle in the front and a straight axle in the rear end, and you hit something, it's probably not going to be as much damage as if you have four-wheel independent suspension. Look at NASCAR. Type of steering and suspension is really critical. Frequency of regular maintenance, such as chassis, lubrication, and wheel alignments. That plays a big deal in front-end survival. The symptoms from this will be cars pulling to one side. First thing you want to do is get out and check your tires and make sure that the, the left side tire and the right side tire have the same air pressures. Uneven tire wear is, it, is it actually the big telltale story if you've driven it a while. Uneven tire wear. Does the right side tire on the front Equal the right side tire on the left as far as the wire patterns across the tread. The way you check that is you turn the vehicle to the left or to the right and let it sit so it gets out in the sunlight. Then you go check the tires on the left side and then check them on the right side because you're probably going to get out 
be getting out of the tire, out of the car on the left side, and you check that tire first, then you walk around the corner. But when you check it, don't just look at it and walk away. Look at the inside, look at the outside to see if the tire wear is the same. See if it's equal wear across the tire and check it for cracks because the weather will beat the crap out of these tires out here. Uh, excessive noise, vibration, or bouncing in the front end. You know, normally they start checking around 60,000 miles on front struts, and now you got four struts around. So front struts, rear struts, uh, the bounce test no longer holds water. So you need to have them inspected to make sure that the leaks and stuff are not there. If the leaks, if the leak is coming out, that's what cools the inside of the shock. If the leak comes out, your shock still may have some rigidity, but it will be failing shortly. So make sure you find a sale at Merrill's and something like that and get one control. The other one is loss of control. When you have bad shocks and bad struts and you hit the brakes, it's called duck, gut goose, goose. It's one of them things to where it goes to the left, then it goes to the right, it goes to the left, it goes to the right, and you're sitting there wondering, who, what? You are imagining everything. Is my brakes holding? Is my brakes on one side working and they're not working on the other? The car is trying to jerk you back and forth. If you've got a car like that, you get it fixed because it's not safe. But loss of control, especially on a higher speed, going down a freeway 75 mile an hour. You get some, all of a sudden you got a brake check up in front of it and you get all over your brakes and that thing is trying to move to the right, trying to move to the left. That means you've got a suspension problem. Okay? Suspension includes the tires too. So get all that stuff checked and, and be safe on your summer vacations when you get ready to roll out. A lot of people are already rolling. A lot of people already find out the problems. Uh, your key components in your car steering and suspension system include Shocks and or struts, steering knuckles, ball joints, steering rack and box. And steering racks do come loose from the, the mounting against the firewall, especially on your little minivans. So if you have one that you can't find, go to the firewall and see if you've got any. It's called oil can cracking on the mounting bracket on the firewall itself because it will show like a little dark line. It actually looks like you took a pencil or a, a, a pen and just drew a line down there, a little squiggly line or a straight line. It doesn't, it doesn't set up the way, if it's got a black line in it and it looks like it can move and the only way you're gonna get that thing to move is actually put a load on the front end, stick somebody under there with a flashlight and a mirror and or a mirror and see if they can find out if that rack is actually moving against the frame. And yes, it happens. Yes, I've seen it. Uh, bearings, bearings, wheel bearings, seals, or hub nuts, tie rod ends. That's the reason you have this thing do a alignment check every year. And hopefully that alignment shop that's doing this stuff will go under there and make sure just like they're going to have to put their mama in this car and send her on a trip. You want to check that thorough on front-end components because if something comes loose, like a wheel, um, that's going to be nasty. So that's all i got to say about that, Jim. You go ahead. So the on your front ends there, 
with um with late model cars and electric steering racks, electric steering gears, they're very susceptible to to collision damage, very pothole damage. Um, they have a tendency to to rip the the rack part inside. Um, bend, they'll you'll bend the where the tire where the tie rod goes into the rack and joins the rack. They actually will bend the rack and pinion. Um, so those those electric gears are really really sensitive to alignment um, uh, checking because they can be out of whack and you don't know it. Yep. And since they're not hydraulic, there's there's not the they don't have the hydraulics to work them. So they're they're real they're real sensitive, and they need to be checked all the time. And they can they can go out. And an electric an electric rack is 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 they're upwards of twenty five hundred dollars. Whereas an old you know the hydraulic rack opinion is for four or five hundred dollars. Those electric racks are twenty five hundred dollars. So it's really critical to have those things looked at because um, they can they can bind since the hydraulics hydraulic rack opinions you know pair using power steering fluid. Um, have a little more force to them. When that electric motor locks, you're not steering, or you're steering with, you know, you're fighting that that electric uh, unit. So I've seen them where you well, mm-hmm. you drive them, and as you drive, you'll feel that you'll feel it bind. Um, it's more common now with with the with the later model cars, and those that also translates into electric vehicles as well. Electric vehicles don't have hydraulic units. Everything is electric on them. And you know everything is electric, so um, all that stuff has to be looked at um, with the and with the alignment. As I talked well, about in the beginning of the show, with um, tires, it's it's important to replace your tires because that two hundred dollar tire is cheaper than the crash. It's a two hundred dollar tire. You don't just want to be replacing two hundred dollar tires because they wear out because you have a poor front end. You know, they used to be, I remember when Jack Furs used to sell tires for, you know, it was $50 installed or $70 installed. Now they're 150 and $200. Well, that's, you know, that's 200 each, you know, or 150 each, that's three to $400 an axle. Well, okay, that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to be thrown away, especially if they're wearing out every every year or every six months because you could have spent a little money on a, on a front-end alignment or a front-end repair that, you need to have done just so you can operate safely. Because if the front end is is wearing tires, that means something's wore out, which means something's going to break, which means you're going to have a crash, which means you're going to call me, then you're going to call Ina Road, and then you're going to then then you're going to get fixed, and it's just a domino effect. I'm just here when you have those issues, feel free to call me. I'm trying to avoid it in, in the interim so that you don't have those issues. Because I don't really want to see you get in a crash today. I want this to be... I didn't even get to put in my Super Safe Saturday logo this morning. But, yeah, I want this to be Super Safe Saturday. Everybody drives along, no issues. So, please take a little bit of time and have this stuff uh, investigated. Do a little bit of work and have, have, a, have a check done. Just a little bit of time on this goes a long way. Um, that's what i got to say about that. Absolutely. Jerry. All right. On the... Um um, the electric stir. When you have electric stir, the computer has a parameter in it that says, okay, this is supposed to be right here. And so when it reads that if it's out of alignment, 
I haven't seen or had the privy of seeing a computer come on and tell me, okay, your car's out of alignment, even though it's electric stir. So I don't know. I don't even know if they've got it plumbed in there yet because my uh, one ton doesn't have, I mean, my three quarter ton, I haven't seen that pop up on the screen yet. But when you do have, and when you buy a set of tires, have the front end aligned. When you buy a full round or set of tires, front end tires, whatever you put on there, have the front end alignment checked and aligned as needed. And that's from the manufacturers. Um, <coughs> with the cars, the interest rates, of course, are going up. <coughs> so new vehicles, not only are the cars more expensive, the financing is going to be more expensive unless they start using it as said, okay, zero interest or something like that. But there is no freebies, okay? You're not buying an electric car and they're going to give you $7,500. You're going to pay one way or the other. You're either going to pay through the initial purchase price or you'll pay it through interest rates. And they're going to be using everything in the world as far as marketing to get you to buy a brand-new car. You know, they always have. They always will. That's the nature of the beast, and that's the way it is. There is a fix or replacement. Fix or replacement. You have, most people are keeping old number, 12.1 years, you're retaining your vehicle. All right? If you want that thing to last 12.1 year, you need to get on your maintenance program. You need to stay on it. You need to be religious about it. And then you'll probably have a safe, reliable vehicle for the 12.1 years that you're going to drive it. Now, when it comes to fix or replace, used to at $2,600 repair, people were going in and say, I'll just go get a new car. At least I know what it is. I know what's paving is going to be a month. Well, you add that interest rate to these payments now, and you figure an average, average cost of a car around $43,000 now, or a little bit more probably. I haven't seen the latest number on it because they haven't come out with it. Do the math, and if you want to go ahead, if you want a brand-new car and you, you say, all right, it's under warranty, if it's under warranty and you buy a brand-new car, you're still going to have to have the oil change in it to keep your end of warranty up on it. You're still going to have to pay attention to the cooling. You're going to have to pay attention to the gauges. You're going to have to pay attention to the uh, whatever you've got to honor your end of the contract on the warranty. So if you blow an engine... Say, okay, so I've got this, uh, it's a, a 2006 and it blows an engine. An engine is going to run you anywhere minimum of about $5,500 up to 20000 for a light-duty diesel, okay? Now, the, the unique thing, in fact, I stole one of the uh, big brochures from Jasper Engine that we have on what they actually do to their motors, and it, it's kind of interesting because what they did is they found out where the weak spots was. They come from a manufacturer, and they correct them as they go back in with it. Therefore, and this is on a Chrysler Hemi engine, therefore, uh, Jasper can put a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty, parts and labor, on this motor. That's how good their engines are. They already run at Jasper engine. They're already set up on a dyno. And when we install them, myself, Parker, and Brian Fuller, when we get through with that engine, we run a computer check on them, get the printouts on a computer check, put it with the file, with the warranty papers, because we have to prove that when we install these things, they are the way they're supposed to be. 
If we we stick a motor in there and we say, oh, well, the cooling system must be okay. No, that is not the way you do it. Just like Mr. Test first says, we look for the problems before they happen. If you've got a, a partially plugged radiator right now and you're going to a brand new motor, which is tighter tolerances because it's not worn out, you need to make sure that the cooling system, which is a killer of an engine if you're not right, uh, they have to be correct. And if we have one come back for warranty and an overheat issue, Jasper will not warranty that motor if it's got an overheat issue, if it's got a plug radiator, if it's got uh, something that won't allow the engine to do what it was designed to do internally. And they'll avoid the warranty. they got little heat tabs on the motor. That's an overheat. So if you're driving one to Flagstaff and that uh, needle goes from normal to super-duty hot, uh, you're, you've got some issues. And it's probably not coming from internally on the engine unless you blew a head gasket or something like that. So, And when the warranty does go down and you have a warranty on that, it covers parts and labor. We've, we've seen one motor that, you know, Jasper actually got a little snippy with us. when We were sitting there trying to figure it out and say, yeah, it's got this. And Jasper wanted to know why we didn't fix that motor, why we didn't put a claim in on it, get another motor, and put it in there. And that's what wound up happening. But it was no fuss, no muss, and actually they kind of got a little, little snippy because we didn't handle it as fast as they thought it should have been handled, and I thought we were doing a heck of a job because we did prove out what the problem was before we ever called them. And um, so this is how they handle theirs. GM's got remanufactured motors. They've got crate motors. They've got Ford's got them. Chrysler's got them. Everybody's got these crate motors now that you can go in the manufacturer, go to the OE and buy a crate motor and stick it in there. They've already been run. they got diesel motors sitting there too, same issue. And so when you get through with that, even if you, ha- if you have a, let's, let's, let's take a Ford truck. you got a Ford truck, and it's got a diesel engine, and it's got a 6.7 in it. You go in, and uh, you price the price of a new diesel with a, with, that runs like you want it to. You're going to be looking anywhere from seventy to $95,000 for those things. They're gorgeous trucks, but they're brand new. And you've got a good-looking truck, and you blew an engine. Crap happens. It's mechanical. And you go put your rebuilt motor in there. Well, now you got 20000 So instead of having a contract for eight years on a brand-new truck, you go down to the credit union and say, okay, if you buy a three-year, three 100,000-mile motor, that contract that you're going to get from your credit union shouldn't be more than three years. Okay, stay within the limits of the warranty. And then if you want to pay it off early, you can pay it off early. But the truck is yours and it's $20,000 plus whatever interest they charge you. And you can you save a bunch of money. You've got a brand new motor in there with a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty, parts and labor on that thing. All you have to do is keep up with your end of the commitment, change your oil. Change the cooling in it and keep this thing going like it's supposed to do according to the contracts, and you'll be good to go. So when you get ready to buy a new car versus keeping the one you got, do the math. I see people out there, and they're buying these little cars right now because they don't like like to pay $4.90 a gallon for a gallon of gasoline. I don't either. But if you take 
any vehicle that you buy is going to, except electric, is going to have, uh, it's going to use, it's going to require service. So you still got that. And it's going to burn gasoline. It may burn at 30 mile per gallon versus the 21 mile per gallon. And the difference is between 21, it's nine mile per gallon. So you calculate out how long you will have to drive this vehicle before you can actually realize the savings on it. When I bought my first diesel, we did that cost analysis on it, but I needed a diesel to haul a 17,000-pound trailer, too. And the difference between a gas burner that had enough power to pull this thing, that would have been not, well, I would have had to drive the vehicle 120,000 miles before I could realize the difference in the price of diesel at that time was cheaper than gas, but it was going to have to drive 120,000 miles in order to, to realize the savings. Now, it is true. A diesel has a higher resale on the market than the gas burners do because they're, the engine is originally designed to run a lot longer than a gasoline engine just because the way it's built, and it's got some pretty beefy parts in it. But keep in mind, that transmission, you can get a diesel and get a gas burner. You get a, a Hemi gas burner, that 392. You get a 392 Hemi, and you can get a, a diesel. And if you get the light-duty diesel, you know, the mid-sized truck, with the, you know, not the heavy monster 1,000-horsepower jobber or 1,000-foot-pounder torque, the transmissions are pretty much the same. So the transmission's the same. The differential is big, but it's big in a gas burner. It's big in a diesel. They're the same. You have the same responsibility of changing the differential gear lube in a gas burner as you do a diesel. You have the wheel bearing set up on the suspension. That's the same. They may have changed the spring tension in the front springs to cover the extra weight of the diesel that you're running, but the rest of the running gear in that thing is pretty much the same thing. So you're thinking, I can get this thing driving 500,000 miles. Yeah, you can, as long as you stay on top of the maintenance and you go through it. And don't forget the U-joints in the drive axles, and don't forget the U-joints in the drive line. It's called a propeller shaft. And when you get around 100,000 miles on it, you get that drive shaft U-joints inspected because these vehicles, you know, the longest warranty I could get on it was 100,000 miles bumper to bumper. So that means that they know something that I don't know. They know that the U-joints can possibly go out or need to be replaced, but they need to be at least inspected by somebody who knows what they're looking at. And by the way, Simmons Drive Shaft Specialist is pretty good at that. And you can get a hold of the problem because a drive shaft is kind of like a, you know, it, it, it's a serpentine belt. <laughs> serpentine belt covers 99% of the stuff on the front of an engine. A drive shaft hooks the rear end of the car up to the, or the back end of the truck up to the front end of the truck. If you're lucky, You'll be able to pull the rear drive shaft out, lock it in four-wheel drive, and drive it on the front shaft if you have a four-wheel drive and have that capability, and if you have a bolt-on flange on the back of the transfer case. Because if you had a slip-in, which most of them do now, 
you pull that drive shaft out and it's going to puke the fluid out of the back end of the transfer case. So it's almost like a catch-all. It's almost like, well, it's what we've been trying to say. Just got to pay attention and follow it. Go to a reputable garage that can do this stuff, can inspect this stuff. You know, if you can go in like to a Parker or Automotive or Simmons and drink their coffee and sit there and talk to the service writer and get, and he'll answer any question or she will answer any question that you may have. And if they don't know the answer, they'll wait for the, the technician to regurgitate it out from the garage because they're the ones going to be working on it and seeing firsthand what's going on. Don't be afraid to ask. I want to see it. Don't be afraid of that. You know, when I first went in business, my dad said, what I want you to do is make sure that your clients can go out and look under your car because most people have never seen the underside of a vehicle. And when we say, oh, you got ball joints, it's bad. Or you got a tie rod in, it's bad. They don't know what you're talking about. Take them out. And uh, and by the way, I did cover this with my insurance people. They got a little excited and I said, fine, I'll keep them out of the shop. Are you going to reduce my rates? No. Well, how much is it for me to take my people out the shop? They didn't even have an answer for that. So we take them out and show them. You know, I can show you an oil leak. I can show you a, a bad ball joint. I can show you a bad tie rod. I can show you a, uh, most of the times you've got a U-joint bad enough. We can show you where it is without ever pulling it off the truck. And you can see it with your own eyeballs. So, and we do things like take pictures of the problem area that we're in and send it to you via the uh, email or text messaging. We have pulled diagrams off of transfer cases because you can't see anything in a transfer case until it's pulled apart. Pulled apart, take a picture of it. We can pull a diagram off the computer. We can highlight the area that's blown up and show you in yellow highlight what we're going to have to replace and change it with an estimate. And then you will know what you're getting. And then when you get back in a vehicle, you won't have to say, oh, well, did, did Simmons actually replace this part? Did Parker actually get this one? Or, or what, what was done to it? What, what do I need to know? You need to know everything about it. You know, we'll give you that information. All you got to do is say, yeah, I'd like, I'd, I'd love it. And then, You'll have it for your files. You may not even look at it. You may never need it, but it's a peace of mind. It's something that gives you a little little security, saying, "Yeah, I can I can go to I, I can go to New Mexico. I can go to California. Or I can go to New York. You know, this this vehicle is it's I feel comfortable. At least the transfer case is going to stay in there. At least the transmission will stay in there." At least the engine, I have a fighting chance of it going unless something stupid comes loose, like I, I blow a radiator hose or my radiator plugs up because I went through Yuma and I picked up enough bugs to redo the paint on the vehicle. I, I did that in Texas. It got so bad I had to pull into a service station and clean the windshield. Oh, by the way, if you get bugs on your windshield, do not turn your windshield wiper blades on until you're close to a place that you can do it because those bugs are made out of super glue. They get on the windshield, you turn the wiper on before the fluid <laughs> gets up to clean them off. You've got somebody just painted your windshield. That actually happened to me. And so I learned that the hard way and I'm passing it on so that you don't do anything like that to get in trouble. Okay. All right. What else would you like to add, Jim? 
Oh, on your on your on your axles, since most of us drive cars that are front wheel drive and with CV with CV joints and axle half axle shafts, and um, when you're looking at them, check the check the boots, check the boots on the on the CV joints. It used to be real common that they would that they absolutely would break. Not, not not so critical anymore. It used to be they used to be the old old those used to be leather. But um, check those. If they have cracks in them, um, odds are you've lost the grease in them. If your CV joints are clicking, um, need to get them replaced. Uh, I, I used to be you could they would click and they would just they, make noise. They, now they start clicking, they break, and you're not going anywhere. So they start they, clicking. You've, the manufacturers of the the manufacturers of the drive axles with, a, with boots on them to keep the grease inside said if, if they get broken, you have, and it, it drains the grease out, you have eight hours of drive time. Eight hours now. Oh. And it don't take you eight hours to go from here to Circle K. But you have eight hours of drive time on it to where that axle end has to be completely replaced. The axle has to be replaced. Right now, you can still pull them off. You can still change the boots on them. And the boots have come a long way, baby, a long way. But they still are a mechanical issue. They still work hard under there. And the Arizona heat on the road doesn't help a darn thing but just try to dry them out, crack them, and squirt the grease out of them. You know, I've seen everything from needles, which look like a regular uh, needle syringe that you shoot grease in them, and try to keep them lubed up. They, and they're they're going on the fact that that hole, once you use that needle on it, comes back out. It's kind of like your skin. Then it closes back up. And that's better than running that thing out of grease. Holy cow. That They, they get expensive. And that's another item that the price is going out of the roof on. So U-joints, uh, uh anything that has to do with the drivetrain, that stuff needs to be inspected by people who specialize in that particular area. And you've got three of the best that I know in Tucson. There's a lot of excellent shops in Tucson. Don't get me wrong. I just know that Parker can do it. I know that automotive specialists can do it. I know that Simmons can do it because we're anal about that stuff. And you've got to stay on top of it in order to keep the customers from breaking down on the side of the road. You drove by and say, Oh, what's Joe doing on the side of the road? We just seen his vehicle two weeks ago. Well, it's probably because uh, something happened, and that's a given. But when you look at it, you go, oh, that's something that maybe we should have spotted a little earlier and made him aware of. We have actually come across them where we have spotted them earlier, and we have written it down and showed them, talked to them about it. And they said, well, we'll, we'll just watch it next time it's in for service. 5,000 miles, uh, we'll take a look at it. Well, it didn't last 5,000 miles. So, you know, these things, the probability factor is when you have to actually go to a professional and say, okay, what, what, what is it? A leak, people see leaks on the front of water pumps. They see leaks coming out of the valve covers, and they call it seepage. Seepage is just seeping out. Well, if anybody knows anything about uh, hot water and cold water, Hot water pours quicker than cold water. When it gets hot on the inside, that seepage gets a little bigger, a little bigger, and a little bigger. I cannot tell you when that little seepage is going to turn into a leak. Right now, it 
has all the potential to turn into a leak at any time it feels like it's necessary. Same way on a water pump. If you've got a water pump that's got that little uh, white line that goes down on the bottom pump, bottom of the pump going down, it's time to get that pump replaced because the packings then come out of the front end. And that's another little secret. And you don't have to be a technician to see it. You just have to be able to see it. If you have to use a mirror and a light, put the mirror down, bounce a light off the, off the mirror to the area, that's one way to do it. If you, you don't like to do it yourself, or find out a little bit more about how your car actually operates. Uh, I covered the serpentine belt. I spotted one. Warren posted something on the Facebook here uh, last week, I think it was, on a a belt, on a timing belt on top of the gear before anybody pulled it off. That is exactly what they look like when they come apart. And I'm going, wow. So I forwarded on to hope to get as many people just to pay attention to it. Timing belts is another item on a car that's come a long, long way. You used to, you start looking at those timing belts at around 60,000 miles. Average timing belt was designed to go about 90,000 miles, and then they started improving them. Honda was the first one that I remember. They come out with a better composition on a belt. And those things go on and on, but you still have to watch them because you're still dealing with the, dealing with the UV. If you pull a timing belt off and it's got a crack on it, it's time to change that sucker. If you pull a serpentine belt off and it's got, it, it says you're allowed two cracks per inch. If I wanted cracks on a serpentine belt, I would have ordered it from a manufacturer that way. If it's got two cracks on it and we're in Arizona and I get ready to take out off in it, I'm going to be worried to death if I've, if knowing that I have two cracks per inch. It's going to just scare the Jesus out of me. So, that is the little things that I know that break, that are out of sight, out of mind, and I'm trying to bring it to your attention so that you can check it out and you can see if your maintenance schedule is up. And remember, there's a difference between an oil change and an oil service. Trust me, you want the oil service because nobody's looking on the hoods anymore. And at 5,000 or 7,500 miles, somebody needs to be taking a peek under your, under your lid. And you can either do it on your schedule or you can do it on the car schedule. The car schedule, they're not quite as picky. They like to get like frontier towing involved. <laughs> so you're already spending money and it hasn't even got the shop yet. However, if you stay after it on a good oil service, you will stay ahead of the game. You know, I've proved it over the 46 years that we've been in business. You know, sometimes things will happen. You can drive down the road, run over something, and blow a tire. That's not the tire company's fault. It's not the tire's fault. Now, one of the things that is not going to be around by 2000, let's see, uh, by about 2030, is what I just mentioned. You run over something in the road. You won't even have a spare tire in the trunk. Right now, they're trying to get away with putting a can of fixer flat in it. What's coming is all run-flat tires. You're talking about tire prices? Run-flats. You put run-flats on your car, you go down the road, you get a flat, you'll feel it wiggle a little bit, you'll get out. Yeah, it's a little low, but you still got some running time on it because it's got an, the sidewalls are bigger, 
uh, it will actually support the weight of the car. So you've got to run flats, and they're going to be in by 2030. And it's 2020 right now, so most of the conversion should be done by 2.30. There are already run flats out there, and I've done a lot of research on that. That's the reason I found out that the sidewalls is where it makes up the difference. I thought maybe they had like NASCAR where they had a double double case on the inside for the high-speed tracks. Nope. They have thicker sidewalls that are designed heavy enough to support the weight of the car with no air in the tire. Yeah, it's going to be showing low, but it'll still support the car and get you off the road, get you to a place where you can go. I've heard rumors about how many miles you can drive them. I'm thinking, well, if you had, if you put the little space saver tire on there, you're not supposed to drive it any further than about 50 miles, and you're not supposed to drive it over about 55 miles an hour. So there's the information on the tire. Do with it as you wish. If you want to go to the run flats earlier, by all means, go in and see if they've got them for your car or truck and put them on. You know, then call the show and let us know how they work out for you. Anything you would like to add to that, Mr. Mooney from Frontier Towing? Because a run flat is, is going to be a highly expensive uh, upgrade. Um, or the new, Michelin has the new um, airless tire, which is, just looks like a bicycle wheel. Um, which they're trying to introduce. Um, they just haven't got the, the balancing out of it, I think, is what one of their issues is. What is it? But, yeah, you want to you wanna talk well, about... Is that the one tires? that has the foam in it? It's the, one, it's the one that looks like it's got spokes and then Go the ahead. little tiny thin... The one that looks like it's got spokes has got the little tiny tread around the outside. And the spokes um, compress as, as you drive to act like a, you know, to give you your sidewall. Um, they got shock. those out. Yeah. Yeah, like a shock. Um, but that's going to be a, a tire and a If it's okay with you, I'll wait until they get the bugs out of that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and um, those, um, <laughs> but yeah, run flats, run flat tires. Well, if you buy a Tesla, it doesn't even come with a spare tire or an air pump or fix a flat. You will go to Tesla and get a tire. And if, well, because they're, they they're, they're perfect. They're perfect. They're perfect. They and never have any problems. Yeah, and you have to go to discount tire to buy your tires. So there's, you know, there there's constraints on the in the market about how how you're going to drive your car, and there's um, only certain things you're going to be allowed to do. So keeping on top of it mm-hmm. makes it more in your control, not in somebody else's. Which absolutely, absolutely. You know, I. I mentioned uh, the things that are not going to be on the car by, t- by 2030, and here's a few items that I'd like to cover with you. Antennas, because everything's going to be controlled by, you know, GPS and all this stuff. Uh, sedans, the American sedan is no longer going to be produced. This is They're predicting this by the 2030. Sedans, station wagons. CD players, this one I like, car batteries, and the parentheses, electric cars. I'm going, okay, well, you know, so you take the old battery out, and now you got a full pack. So I don't know how they get away with saying batteries unless they don't consider the electric vehicle car a battery. Spoilers, you know, the ones, they, little trick spoilers they have on the back of the cars because they're no longer necessary because the design of the vehicle itself 
Custom exhaust tips. Oh, that broke my heart. Custom exhaust tip. I hadn't put one on my vehicle in 30 years. But they're no longer there. And one of the thing is because there's going to be a lot of electric cars coming out and they're no longer going to be a uh, thing that you actually need. Superchargers. Superchargers. It makes that engine go 10,000 miles an hour. And I'm thinking the only way they can replace that supercharger and still maintain the speed is going to be electric. So I think that's what this is going to. Diesel smoke chips. You see these diesels take off at a stop sign? Sound like they had about 11, 1200 horsepower? Well, it probably does. And you can do it all through chips. And it takes fuel to make power. I don't care if it's a car or whatever, a car or diesel, it takes fuel to make power. When you're pushing that much fuel through it, the exhaust has got to go someplace and it comes out as diesel smoke out of the exhaust pipes. Looks like a, well, it looks like a dragster. And that's no longer going to be around. The traditional keys, it's not going to be around. Okay. Side view mirrors is not going to be around because Everything's going to have sensors on it. The traditional grills are not going to be around. In fact, they're going to use the underhood space for like storage, like the old Volkswagens. I thought that was pretty cool. However, that's in an electric car also. Audible turn signals, where uh, you actually do it yourself. They're going to have it. Everything's going to be automatic, and I haven't figured out how they did this yet. You know, how does, a, how does a car know you're going to make a right-hand turn if you don't tell it you're making a right-hand turn? But I guess they've got it in the computer. AM, FM radios will not be around. Headlight switches will not be around. It's all computer control. Halogen headlights are replaced by LED lights. And hydraulic power steering will be replaced by electric, like we were talking earlier in the show. Rear-view mirrors are not going to be around because you have sensors and you have TV cameras around. Dimmer switches are not going to be in existence. Manual seat adjustments, where you can actually move your seat around, and then if you have to have a seat repaired, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. It's going to be all automatic electric. Spare tires, thing of the past, they're going to be run-flat tires. Engine bay, it's going to be electric, so there is no engine bay. Now, that's how they're gearing up for electric. Hubcaps, nope, nobody has hubcaps anymore because of fancy wheels. Sunroof, nope. Fog lights, nope. Headlight wipers, nope. And that is approximately 30 items that's not going to be on the cars by 2030. Now, out of those... I don't see any of them that I'm going to really miss. So it's probably a good deal to just do away with it. It'll lighten a vehicle right. Um, and Europe is testing hydrogen fuel 18-wheelers. The manufacturers are looking at that really strong now. And the hydrogen fluid going in a diesel motor actually creates more torque. And so there's, they're looking for all the arguments in there, and they're beginning to think there's not a whole lot to argue about. This thing, uh, that versus the electric, because it's a less expensive conversion to do on the diesel than the electrics are. 
So I thought that was pretty cool. But I wanted to bring that out. And also for the second hour, I wanted to remind people that the Ford recalled 17,000 trucks because of the wheel may fall off. 2021 F-150, 250, 350, 450, and 600. Dealers have been instructed not to sell until the torque specifications are verified. You can go with uh, NHTSA VIN, V-I-N, checker. And you can have your vehicle, if you've got one of these years, to make, or the 2021, to make sure that your vehicle is not covered or if it is. The other little hot spot is for the Ford uh, people, uh, 2021 Ford Bronco with a 2.7 engine, possible recall. It's in investigation right now. Engine failures. The valve keepers keep coming off. Now, I want to remind you that because if you're driving these things, uh, when those valve keepers come off, it's a close tolerance engine, and you can blow up the engine, okay? Yeah, it's probably still under warranty, but uh, how are you going to get it from here halfway to Yuma back to your dealership here in Tucson? So there is things. I'm sure that you, if you run into that, then it's something that you need to pay attention to. Uh, you got anything you want to add to that, Jim? Uh, the fact that we're not going to have all these things on our cars. I mean, are we going to have, um, are we going to have sound effects since there's electric and there's no, there's no throaty exhaust anymore? Are we going to have a, is, are we going to have a satellite station that puts a throaty sound effects for our car? So I'm going to kind of miss that. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Well, electric cars <laughs> no, no now, sound- they just kind of buzz around. No, no sunroofs. I mean, how are we supposed to? What I, I'm working. Are, are we going to have convertibles? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. They didn't say that was going to be going bye bye by 2030. Um, but on the road, when you're running on the road and you have um, uh, things, if you have emergency road service, this is one. This is a list straight from an insurance company. If your vehicle cannot be started or driven, this is for insurance, so check your coverage. If this, if your vehicle cannot be started or driven without causing damage, this is the insurance. We will pay for the expense incurred to tow the vehicle to the nearest, not back to Tucson, to the nearest place where the necessary repairs can be made. You need to remember that. I had mine towed in from northern Arizona one time because I didn't want to take it to the nearest place that they said they can fix it. I didn't care. I wanted my own people to do it here. We also we will also pay for the expense of towing the vehicle out if it is stuck on or near to a public road. That'd be Frontier Towing's baby there. Mechanical labor. We will pay the cost of mechanical labor for up to one hour at the place of breakdown. So if somebody shows up at the, if you have a, uh, you call out a road service or something like that and they show up, they will pay up to one hour of labor on this. And it's probably not going to be the same labor rate because they always try to down gauge it, downsize it. Miscellaneous expense. We will pay for the delivery of gas, oil, battery, or change of tire. However, we will not pay for the cost of these items. In other words, you'll pay for the parts, and uh, they will cover the uh, installation, I guess. 
We will pay for locksmith labor for up to one hour to unlock a covered card. There it is, covered. You've got to make sure you have it. If it's, if, it, if, if its key is lost, stolen, or locked inside the card. Lost, stolen, or locked inside the card. You can also use a mobile app that the State Farm Company has, statefarm.com, to get roadside assistance, including a tow, flat tire replacement, a taxi, and many other kinds of help that just says they'll, they'll refer you. All right? All expenses incurred must be reasonable and must have been incurred on an insured vehicle to be covered. Uh, if you have any question about uh, your emergency road service, you want to call your agent. So if you don't know what you have, you know, insurance is like anything else. We buy the stuff, and okay, we're covered, until you find out you're not covered. So if you have a good agent, and if you don't, get your good agent, somebody that will say, okay. If you want to know what's in an insurance policy on a warranty, homeowners, Read what the exclusions are. Act of God. You know, I, I look at this mess in, in Kentucky that I was seeing this morning, and my heart just bleeds for those people. I'm not kidding you. That was so depressing. Is that going to be considered an act of God? And if so, how, what, how are they going to rebuild? Because, I mean, it, it, it just flattened places. It was horrible. And if you look on the news, if they they show it now, if they can get past a dead gone election and show you what happened in Kentucky, you'll think, oh, my God, I am so glad I live in Tucson, Arizona, and have to just put up with the sun that'll cook, that'll cook your brains while you're out. I mean, oh, my Lord. But you need to verify what you have on your insurance policy. You need to verify. Houses have gone up immensely in the last few years. They're just now starting to come back down because the interest rates have gone up and you can no longer afford what you thought you could afford because your prices has gone up as much as $600 a month. Cars, that's another reason. Do I fix it or do I uh, just go ahead and replace it? Because if you finance a vehicle, everything is tied to interest rates. Anything that's financed is tied to the interest rates. So it's going to be expensive however you do it. You got any any recommendations or any any comments on that, Jimbo? I just noticed oh, well, we're getting down uh, to about five minutes here. We're almost out of time here. The you don't? Uh, roadside service. Um, yeah, review your policy. Yep. What if you think it's covered? Um, you got to need to check again because there's always a caveat about how. A policy will do a certain thing, but then doesn't do something else. So that that roadside stuff, trust me, I see this every day. Uh, you need to make absolutely sure that there's what what you think you're getting covered for, you're actually getting covered for. Certain policies have limits of, of you can only go a certain distance. Certain things will only cover a certain amount of fuel. Some people will cover, like you said, the lockout, but not the key. Um so you know if if you're remember if you're paying twenty nine ninety five a year you're gonna get twenty nine ninety five a year they they don't uh that you are not gonna get more than what you paid for so you're not gonna get a tow to phoenix for twenty nine ninety five 
or you're not going to get a tow home from Phoenix for twenty nine ninety five. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, they're they're just like co- your collision insurance or your home insurance. You buy specific coverages um, for each of the services that you're looking for, and without without knowing, you're going to be upset, and then you're going to be out of pocket money. So twice because you paid for the road service and that's then you right. paid for the tow bill. Uh, and that's but that's you right. know there's there's no other way around that. That's the one thing I can tell you for that. Um, but, that's that's correct. Uh, it's, and there's nothing more. You know, I, I can remember back when a guy pulled in the shop in Tucson. He bought a car in Phoenix and driving to Tucson had a warranty, had a car warranty on it. The car warranty was very reasonable. Yeah, it didn't cover anything. He blew a motor. It wasn't covered. If you're going to get a warranty, get it on the big ticket items. You know, if you if you have a power steering pump you need to replace, that's one thing. If you have an engine to be replaced, that's something else. Read your warranty. Sometimes I think in order to read a warranty, you just about got to have have a lawyer on staff that goes in and reads everything on it. And we were working on a vehicle one time that had a, and I remember this, had a GM warranty on it. And we got halfway through the job, and all of a sudden GM canceled the warranty. They canceled the warranty program for GM with whatever carrier was doing the underwriting, I guess. But anyway, that guy got stuck. We were halfway through the job, and it was a big job. It had been approved by the warranty company. And keep in mind, because you have a warranty on the car and you drive it in to a Parker or automotive specialist or Simmons, it's no guarantee that you are still responsible for your automotive repair. If you get halfway through it and says, hey, I'm sorry, you have no warranty now, you're stuck with that bill. So the end person is the guy that owns the vehicle that brings it in for repair is still responsible for that bill. It's like going to a doctor. If your insurance company don't pay for this, you got to pay for it. So, all right, we're about out of time, Jim. we got probably about 30 seconds left. For the ones of you to the racetrack, I hope you got the tickets purchased. The, they'll send me a copy of it, and I'll relay it to the racetrack, and you'll be able to go up and get in there. Hopefully it's not raining. Uh, normally by 5 o'clock, it's quit raining. It rains between 3 and 4.30. <laughs> we'll see what it does today. 